The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, we say good morning to Jason Agnew of News Talk 1010, Rob Davis, former Toronto City Councilor, founder of Rob Davis Associates, and Toronto City Councilor Diane Sachs is here as well. Okay, well, let's start with the budget. I'm not sure if everybody heard the conversation with the mayor about 40 minutes ago, but uh, we went back and forth over the budget. There's a million angles to it, but let me start with Diane Sachs. Um, I heard from one of your colleagues who said that this $8 million pot of money that the mayor has created is going to turn into the Hunger Games on council, and maybe that's just a big distraction so she can get the whole thing through. Well, it is a time-honored procedure. We had exactly the same thing last year, a $16 billion budget. Council was allowed to negotiate and vote over $8 million. Um, we have already begun a cooperative process of discussing and comparing what our priorities are, given that uh, very, very narrow window. We also have to keep in mind what the same things will cost next year. So there'll be lots of work going on for the next two weeks. Okay. And are you largely on board with the mayor or are you like one of the councillors I've been hearing from via text who looks like they're going to fight like hell? Uh, I haven't, to, I'm not making public yet how I'm going to vote, but I do recognize that the city provides essential services that all of us depend on. And if we let those crumble, everyone will be worse off and uh, poorer people will be suffer the most. The rich can always protect themselves. I think it's very important that we be looking to what not only what works in the very short run, but the longer run. And what we've seen is that the city has been visibly deteriorating. It's time to turn it around. Rob Davis, you ran against the mayor and you ran yep. on a platform of fiscal responsibility. So what say you? Well, uh, this is the free for all roundtable. And uh, I can tell you it's not going to be free for the taxpayers of Toronto. This budget is uh, presents a lot of challenges to them, notwithstanding the relief that tenants are going to get. Um, let's remember something, folks. Uh, council, the mayor, the mayor's chair can swing right and it can swing left. And no matter what happens, the mayor always gets the budget that the mayor wants. So we have a decidedly more left-wing, uh, left-of-center mayor. This is the budget that represents that, that ideology. And it doesn't matter that there's $8 million for them to quibble over in a $16 billion operating budget. Like, imagine that, that the only room for debate is where they're going to spend $8 million. That tells you that the, the decision is cooked. Uh, this is baked in. Uh, hold on to your wallet. Um, it's going to be more expensive to live in the city of Toronto. And, you know, you had on a guy, uh, and again, full disclosure, I, I did some work from uh, Peter McCallion. He, he said, hey, if Toronto raises taxes, the industrial tax rate, a big uh, chunk, I'm going to try and bring businesses to Mississauga. That's what's going to start to happen uh, among the business community in, in and of themselves. They're not going to need somebody to sell them on moving to, to Whitby or to, to Vaughan. They're going to start looking at their tax bill and trying to figure out whether they can get a cheaper location. Uh, that will offer them the same economic opportunity. That's the big risk. At a time like this, Jason Agnew, I have to think you're happy not to be a Toronto ratepayer. 
Well, I live in Toronto. You do? I I do. I'm in Etobicoke. I'm I'm in oh, I'm right. the one of the people who lost our leaf pickup this year, John. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I cover Halton in my day to day. I do. I'm the host of Halton News. However, I do live in Etobicoke, so I'm affected by all of this. Um, I was fine with the leaves. I don't mind losing the windrows. That's fine. Um, Rob Davis, I'm kind of thrown that you would uh, have an association with Peter the Tornado, Peter McCallion. Um, um, but uh, his cowboy ways. But, you know, when it comes down to it, $8 million, why don't we just hang on to it and throw it at next year? Uh, because the inflation is continuing here, and every year it's just more and more and more. And I did listen to the interview earlier today, John, and I'm glad that you asked, hey, are you blaming it on previous mayors? And I was thrown by the answer of no, no, not at all. When all the declaration was, I've inherited a mess over and over and over to be said by our current mayor. Yeah, but she can hang that on the COVID business and hide behind that because, yeah, I think she is criticizing past mayors, but she's got to be able to sit down at galas and have dinner with John Tory, so she can't, you know, crack the whip, I guess. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to a few other things, including, well, actually, one of the hidden pockets in the debate is we're going to put our pigeons on birth control. Um, and Rob Davis, I, it strikes me as a good idea, even if it makes me laugh. Well, it, there may there may actually be a significant financial benefit. Uh, the public health risk associated with uh, you know avian flu and pigeon poop, and I've seen apartment buildings where you got to think that people have been getting sick as a result of all of the pigeon excrement that uh, that hangs around their balcony and on their front doors uh, as they go into these buildings. Um, you know, it, it's the type of thing that that that. Uh, if you cut it, it may be a penny wise and a pound foolish, um, you know, notwithstanding the fact that uh, there are a group of older people out there mostly who love to feed their pigeons. I'll tell you this quick story, a 15 second story in the park across the street from my home in, in Etobicoke. There was a European man who used to put suet on the tree uh, trunks for the birds, except that my dog was tall enough to eat all of the fat off the trees. And he would come screaming and yelling. And I said, well, you you put that out for the animals, you can't control which animal gets to eat it. So uh, hopefully not uh, all of the animals will be on birth control when they're feeding the pigeons. Okay. Diane Sachs, uh, it makes sense, although I guess the pigeons may find it frustrating. Well, the pigeon won't know. It's a good pilot project. It'll take three to five years for us to know whether it works or not, because that's how long pigeons live. But it's a lot cheaper than scraping up pigeon poop, and I agree about the health risk. And Jason, I think if we're going to put pigeons on birth control, then bring it on for the squirrels and the raccoons. Yeah, especially the raccoons. Um, and this has been deemed, if you read through the article, that it's that it's not going to affect or hurt other animals that may ingest it. So, yeah, yeah. let's go for it. Let's not cut this from the budget. What do we make, speaking of things that people eat, uh, of uh, a Canadian school is one of the first to ease up on its nut ban. And maybe I'll come back to you, Jason, on this one. We live in an age of absolutism. So I'm very surprised that people are going to you know, screw around with nut bans. I like this. Uh, it's coming back around. Uh, I mean, I am not a parent, and I was shocked at one point in a conversation uh, to a friend of mine who who is a parent. I mentioned taking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to school, and they looked at me like I was on another planet um, because back in my day, dare the old man say it, uh, that was fine. That was common practice. So, but this is being done in a controlled manner. It won't be happening in junior and senior kindergarten, and then once we get into grade ones and twos in that level, it'll 
you know, the ban will just be on if there is a child in the class that has the allergy. Other than that, it's based on education. And really, you know, these kids are going to have to grow up and know if they're vulnerable to have this allergy. They do have to learn how to protect themselves as well. Diane Sachs, I know, you know, some families live in mortal terror of nuts, but in this case, they're going to ease up on the ban and see what happens. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense. Lots of parents live in terror about their kids' allergies, but many of those allergies are to other things. My immediate circle of the people with really serious allergies, anaphylactic allergies to eggs, to dairy, to peas, to beans, um, uh, garlic, and one to bread. So are we going to ban everything? Uh, we can't protect everyone with all of the allergies. So I think an education and and um, keeping your hands clean approach makes a lot of sense. Okay. Rob Davis, last word on this file. Well, we don't, we don't live in a risk-free society. That's for sure. I've been called a little nutty myself sometimes. So, uh, watch out if you're, uh, if you have a, a strong allergic reaction to nuts and I'm in the neighborhood. It's been 10 years since Sammy Atim was killed by a Toronto police officer. Now an inquest jury has issued 63 recommendations. Let me come back to you, Diane Sachs. Um, a lot of people on round one today were saying, great, 10 years have gone by. What's the point? But I think there's some really interesting takeaway in this report. Absolutely. I, I'm very grateful for the hard work of the coroner and the jury. And they've made some excellent recommendations that I hope the provincial government will follow. But the main recommendation directed at the city is something we've just done, which is to have a trained mental health crisis team so that when there is somebody having a, a breakdown, we don't have to send an armed police officer. We send a mental health crisis team. Nobody gets killed. It's cheaper and it works better. So if you see someone having a mental health crisis in Toronto, Toronto, you call 211 now, not 911. It saves money and no one dies. Rob Davis, one of my favorite takeaways in this report is the idea that police officers should be empowered to call each other out when they think that they're behaving in a, you know, badly. And in that case, somebody might have reported uh, this constable a long time before he shot Sammy Yatim. Absolutely. There seems to be a pattern of behavior with this officer. Uh, that was revealed during the uh, during the uh, the inquest, and and I think I think this like I have to confess I I cried when I saw the footage of this young man being killed. I thought it was senseless. I thought that there was a lot more that could be done. I think back to the many times that we've had people with mental health issues who've been killed by police, and and for the most part, I think if we just waited them out, if we just allowed time to pass that we could have de-escalated many and many of these uh, confrontations. So I'm hopeful, um, but I'm also mindful that we have a long history of this happening in the city of Toronto. I know police are in a tough position, and I'm hoping that this new chief will do a lot more uh, to make sure that we, we bridge the gap between the needs of, of our uh, people in our community with mental health issues and the requirements to keep the rest of us safe. And Jason Agnew, your takeaway. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I will dispute is uh, Diane's comment there. If I see someone uh, in a mental health crisis, yes, I may call 211, but if they're in my vicinity and they seem dangerous, I'm calling 911 as well. And listen, I hope this police budget gets them there a lot quicker than 20 minutes.
Thanks a lot to y'all. Good to have you this morning. That is Jason Agnew, and he'll be back on Saturday, Sunday morning with the trivia show, along with Rob Davis and City Councilor, Toronto City Councilor Diane Sachs. Coming up in the next hour, I'll tell you, we're full to the gunnels today. Going to be uh, having a chat with the police chief, and that is fascinating when you think it's in the shadow of the interview we just had in this hour with the mayor, and he didn't get the money that he was asking for. So we'll have that chat. John Tory is going to be here following that. And then Tony Chapman is here. He has an explanation for this conspiracy theory about Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.